So if you hosted a home, a club at your house, and a neighbor came up to you afterwards and said, wow, I've never seen anything like this before, never really actually heard what those students were sharing, what do I need to do to be saved? Now you might go, well, that would never happen. Actually, it does happen. So if someone said to you, what do I need to be saved? I hope you would be able to very simply, very clearly let them know that salvation is by grace through through faith. You might actually be able to open a Bible and show them, well, the Bible says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. It was through faith that Abby Lynn was born again in Christ. Or you may know the what's known for among some as the Romans Road, and you may know that Romans 5 says, having been justified, how? By faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or you might know Galatians 2.16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, if you don't know, I want you to know this morning that salvation is by faith and what Christ has done on our behalf. We cannot save ourselves. It's not what we do, it is what has been done for us. That is abundantly clear. And I would want you to communicate that if someone asks you very, very simply. And they might get it. And then go home and read James 2 and be thoroughly confused. If you don't know what I mean, join me, James 2. And our passage this morning is verses 14 through 26. And I say they may be thoroughly confused because this passage seems, big important word there, seems to contradict everything that we just read about salvation is how? By faith. In fact, it, this has been such a confusing passage to so many that there were for years many who actually contended that James should not be included in the New Testament because of these verses. Now some of you know them, but others of you are going, wow, I want to read this. What is it that, that's so different that would cause people to go, I don't know if this is even like biblical. James chapter two, beginning in verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead 
being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? So, you ready to cut it out of your Bible now? To go, wow, this seems to be the exact opposite of not by works, but by faith. Hopefully, by the end, you'll put your scissors away and you'll actually go, this isn't contrary at all. This does not contradict. This actually, listen, clarifies. It clarifies how a person is saved by faith. I think this passage gets confusing when we think it's answering a question it's not answering. So let me define what it's not answering and I'll show you why I think that and then what it is. I do not think this passage is trying to answer is salvation obtained by faith? It's not trying to answer is that how it's obtained? Because, number one, the scripture repeatedly says that's how it is obtained. It is obtained by faith. And the scripture doesn't contradict itself. And because it doesn't contradict itself, that's why some people, well, well, then we need to get rid of this. Well, we don't need to get rid of this because that's not the question on the table. Is salvation obtained by faith? Yes or no? Yes. Salvation is obtained by faith. So if that's not the question, what is the question? Well, here's what I love. It's the question that he started the passage with. It's just, we don't read it carefully enough. He started with this. If someone says he has faith, but he has no works, can that faith save him? Did you you hear how I read it? Not, can faith save him? Can that faith save him? What's he mean, that faith? Because there's faith and then there is that faith. (laughs) What is that faith that that he's saying? A faith that says, but does not do. Can that faith save him. So I'm not doing gymnastics with the test. I'm at the text. I'm actually going, well, let's get the question right. See, the, the answer doesn't make sense if you got the question wrong. But the question is, does that faith, a faith that says something, save? He's getting at, what is the nature of Saving faith. What is saving faith like? And he's going to show what it's like by showing what it isn't like. What's the nature 
of saving faith. We know salvation is by faith. Well, what's faith like then? Can that faith save him? And he gives two examples of that faith that he's asking the question, can that faith save him? The first example we just read, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? In other words, are they going to be warmed or fed by your, by your words? No. No. If our house is cold and I say to my wife, no, it's warm. That doesn't make it warmer. No, it's, it's, it's okay. Because I've tried this before. I don't want to spend the money to either heat it or more likely cool it. And she'll say, Nick asked me, is it hot in here? No. See, did that change the, did that change the temperature? No. Saying the words doesn't change anything. It didn't fill anybody, feed anybody, or warm anybody. What's his point? Very simple. Saving faith is more than words alone that faith that faith a faith that is only words can that faith save him well words alone can't feed hungry people words alone can't warm cold people and therefore how could words alone save lost people Saving faith is what? It's more than words alone. And again, just to clarify so you understand, the example was words alone don't help the cold and the hungry. They sound great. They have good intentions even. But they don't help. And so his example is then... He follows with, next verse, even so, okay? Just like that, even so, faith. If it has no works, like if it doesn't come with a coat or a meal, what is it? It's dead. And why is it dead? It's by itself. In other words, it has words, but it's not connected to actions. If you say, remember with the question, will that faith save him? And he's gone, you can't, why? Because it's dead. It's dead faith. So he goes, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I will show you my faith by my works. If I have no works, how can I show you my faith? I can't. 
I can only say it. And faith is more than words alone. Saving faith is actually visibly verifiable. Saving faith is visibly verifiable. A faith that only talks is no faith at all. Did you hear that? Faith that only talks actually is no faith at all. So now he uses a second example about words. Well, maybe, maybe it's not words alone. Maybe it's the right words. Next verse. You believe that God is one. True or false? Is that true? Yes, that's, that's good theology of God. You believe that God is one and you say it. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. So they're obviously saved. Well, that's absurd. See, he, he makes it so absurd that you can't argue. Well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. No, is anybody unclear whether demons are not saved? No, that is perfectly clear. Demons would not be saved. If they were saved, they actually wouldn't be demons. See how, see how clear this is? What's he saying? Well, if saving faith is more than, than words alone. It's even more than accurate, true, correct, theological words alone. It's more than adherence to correct theology. Now, again, if you go, I don't know what you mean, correct theology. I mean, believing the right things about God. In his example, demons believe God is one, but again, not confusing, are not saved. Now don't misunderstand. Is there correct, accurate, uh, necessary truth to believe in order to be saved? Yes? Yes. In other words, if someone says to me, oh yeah, I've been a Christian my entire life. Those words say to me, no, no, no. You haven't been a Christian your entire life. Actually, the Bible says you were physically born alive, but you were born spiritually dead in your sin. You were born dead. You were not a Christian your entire life. If someone says to me, well, I know I'm not perfect, but I, I'm not really that bad. I agree, you're not perfect. I disagree, you're not that bad. The scripture says, actually you are guilty, deserving of the wrath of God. Not just like some people you think about and you go, no, no God, God needs to get them. <laughs> When you say God needs to get them, you're M. 
Because we are all, when we minimize our sin, when we think we've been Christians, when we say stuff like, well, you know, I, Jesus was a good person and I want to be like Jesus because he was a good person. That's not the gospel. Jesus was not just a good person leaving a good example. There are correct truths to belief that I'm guilty before God. I deserve his wrath. That Jesus did live a sinless, perfect life. That he died a sacrificial, substitutionary death. That he was raised from the dead. And that if we believe in him, we will be saved. See, there is correct theology but correct theology, knowing it, is not saving faith. It's more than that. Because demons have correct theology, but they're not saved. Continue in the verse. Are you willing? We'll see, we're just going verse by verse through. Are you willing to recognize you foolish fellow? that faith without works, in other words, knowing the right thing, but without a corresponding action, it's useless. Saving faith not only adheres, knows, correct theology because there are things that we must know in order to be saved. It not only knows it, saving faith doesn't just shudder about it. Saving faith doesn't just sing about it. Saving faith doesn't just repeat it. Saving faith submits to it. Does that kind of faith, faith that says the right thing, save? No. Words don't help anybody. Does knowing the right thing save it? No. Knowing it is necessary. But if it's by itself, it's dead. If it's by itself, it's useless. And then he follows in the text with two real-life examples of what saving faith looks like. First from Abraham, which remember, James is writing Jewish followers of Jesus. So they know Abraham. And then he references Rahab, a lesser known but pretty well known because of the extreme nature of her story. If you don't know the name Rahab, Rahab is a woman in the Old Testament who was a prostitute who actually was saved from the wrath of God because of her faith. So you have Abraham, the guy who is the father of the Jewish nation as an example, and you have a prostitute 
as his example. A man and a woman, uh, somebody who would be considered friend of God, righteous, and a prostitute. But they're both examples to demonstrate does that type of faith save? The faith that only what? Says and knows right things. So how's he use Abraham? Verse 21, next verse. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. That is, faith was completed. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Now, so that's what he says about Abraham. Here, watch. Abraham did what? He offered his son Isaac, and so he was credited as righteous, and he was called a friend of God. Isn't that the way he just said it? That's exactly the way he just said it. An uninformed Gentile, that's you, readers go, oh, wow, I don't know what to do with that. Abraham did offer up Isaac. He was credited as righteous and he was called a friend of God. <laughs> Except that's not the way it happened chronologically. It's the way James says it to make his point of does that faith, a faith that only speaks, save? To show, no, that faith doesn't save. How does it actually happen in Abraham's life? Well, if you know the book of Genesis, he offered his son Isaac in Genesis chapter 22. Do you know when he was credited as righteous? Genesis 15. Oh, whoa. Whoa, James confused us. He told it, this, 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 offer righteous friend. <laughs> but he was credited as righteous when he believed in Genesis 15. How do we know it was not just words alone? Because when God said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and offer him up, Abraham didn't just say words. He, <laughs> he acted on the faith that was already present. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Do you see it? See, it wasn't James is changing and going, Abraham, he was actually saved by works. No, his faith was revealed by his works, 
showing that it wasn't that faith because that faith that is words only is dead and useless is what the text said. His visible works, just what the text said, I'll show you my faith by my works. His visible works revealed his invisible faith was genuine. Works reveal that faith is real. Works reveal that faith is real. Does that mean my works save me? No, I am saved by faith. How do I know I have faith? Well, it's not just your words because everybody, and some of you have done this, everybody has the capacity to learn to say the right words. And have you ever done that? Said words, you didn't believe them, but you know the words would get you off the hook. They would uh, help in the moment. But that's not saving faith. Saving faith is not words alone. Works reveal that faith is real. And who demonstrated it? Abraham. See, this is to Jewish readers going, ah. Abraham was credited as righteous and then revealed that he had been made righteous by his believing by what he did. All right, now we get to Rahab. In the same way, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Now, maybe you know the story of Rahab, but let me, let me just read for you. I'm gonna run through the story from Joshua chapter two. If you wanna turn there, follow along, you can. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to read through like 13 verses from Joshua 2. This is the story that he is just referencing when he says, Rahab the harlot was justified by works when she received the messengers, sent them out by another way. Okay, here's the story. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, sent two men as spies secretly from Shittim. What has happened? They have left Israel. They're about to enter the promised land, but they're on the other side of the Jordan River. They're on the east side of the Jordan River to go west. But once they cross the river, they're in enemy territory. And he's like, you gotta go figure out once we cross the river, what are we facing? And specifically, there's a city there, Jericho. What are we facing there? It's simply a smart move by a commander. Go spy it out. Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and came into the house of a harlot whose name was Rahab and lodged there. It was told the king of Jericho saying, behold, men from the sons of Israel have come here tonight to search out the land. So they thought they could be inconspicuous by hiding in a prostitute's house as foreigners, that that would be the way to hide, but they're exposed. The king knows. And the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered your house, for they have come to search out all the land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them and said, yes, 
The men came to me, but I didn't know where they were from. Lie. It came about when it was time to shut the gate at dark that the men went out. Lie. I don't know where the men went. Lie. Pursue them quickly for you will overtake them. Lie. But she had brought them up to the roof and hid them in the stalks of flax which she had laid in order on the roof. She knew exactly where they were. And they weren't out running. So the men, they believed her. They thought, ah, oh, she's telling truth, truth, truth. So they pursued them on the road to the Jordan of the Fords. As soon as those who were pursuing them had gone out, they shut the gate <laughs> with the guys still inside. Now, before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know. Now watch. I know that the Lord has given you the land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and that all the inhabitants of the land have melted away before you. For we have heard how the, law, how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you went, came out of Egypt and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, who you utterly destroyed. When we heard it, our hearts, what? Melted and no courage remained in any man any longer because of you. For the Lord, your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. True or false? That's true. Now, therefore, please swear to me by the Lord, since I have dealt kindly with you. How'd she done that? Hidden them, protected them. You also will deal kindly with my father's household and give me a pledge of truth and spare my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters, all who belong to them and deliver our lives from death. <laughs> Did she believe? Did she say right words? Yes, she, she said the right words. The Lord, your God, he is God. <laughs> What's James' point? She believed and... She hid and helped the spies. His point is pretty simple. Her works revealed her words of faith were not words alone. They were not by themselves. See, this actually is not a, I don't think this is a confusing passage. I think it's a clarifying passage. It's a passage that simply and very clearly demonstrates that that faith, a faith that says the right things and knows the right things is useless and dead unless it is revealed to be genuine by action. Our actions, our works reveal our faith is real. Our words, excuse me, our works and our actions reveal that our faith is real. 
A faith that is words only is no faith at all. That type of faith can't save you any more than words be warmed and be filled will warm you or feed you. So why is James writing this to a church? I think it's pretty clear because he wants them to ask, as I hope you'll ask yourself this morning, does my faith consist of words and or knowledge alone? Words are important. Knowledge is important. But when it's by itself, they're dead. They're useless. So you, friends, would you ask yourself, do you just say the right words? Do you simply know the right things? Or has your life revealed that your faith is real? Capture how I've said, does your life reveal that your faith is real. It's not a question, does faith save? Faith does save. It's what type of faith? Not words alone. And there will always be, from James's day forward to this day, people who know the right words to say. Some of you said the right words to your parents a long time ago to get them off your back. Or maybe you said them to a spouse so they would stop harassing you. You've learned to say the right words. But there's nothing in your life to demonstrate your faith is real. It's just words. It's just knowledge. And it's useless. See, if they're words alone or knowledge alone... Just as the body, this is the last verse, for just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. It doesn't say, my works save me. It says, my works reveal my faith is real that saves me. If I have words and knowledge alone, dead faith. The hardest verse in the text, you see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. And if you take that verse and pull it out, if I only showed you that verse, I'd be like, ugh, wow, that's confusing. But it's not when you see it in the whole story. What's the opening question? Can that faith Faith that is words alone save you. No. No. My works, how do they justify me? <laughs> By revealing that the faith I have is real. Now let me make one last clarification. Because this was important in my own journey of understanding faith and works. I used to think this, listen carefully. I used to think that if you have faith, 
you should have works. If you have saving faith, you should have works. That's not true. If you have saving faith, you will have works. See the difference? I've crammed three verses in one slide here that, that capture this idea. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. See, that's not what James says. This is exactly what James says. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You understand what happened there? It's not faith plus my works equals I'm saved. It's faith saves. And when I'm saved, it's not that I should, it's that I will, and I will because when I am saved, what happens? I am, what's the text say? I am in Christ. And when I am in Christ, I have been made new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. New things have come. So it's not that I should, it's that I will because I am a new person in Christ. My works do not save me, my faith saves me. My works reveal that my faith is real. And if my faith is only words alone, it is not faith at all. See, I don't think it's confusing. And I hope you don't get out your scissors and cut it out. I think you're, I hope, I hope, I hope you are really asking yourself that question. Does my life reveal that my faith is real? I know many of you are thinking about cousin Johnny and daughter Susie and your parents and I'm not asking you to think about them. Well, I don't know. I mean, they said we're... I don't think about that. I'm prepared to have all the Johnny Susie questions in Q&A next. <laughs> That's not really the question. It's you. And if there is a life that doesn't reveal that your faith is real, then thank the Lord that you were here this morning so that you could place genuine faith, not just words, but a, a yielding to the words that maybe you have many times said, Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord. Father in heaven, I want to ask 
that it would be the work of your spirit in this moment that would expose if any who are listening right now have a faith that's only words alone or maybe not even words just knowledge if there is anyone who has said they are saved but is not saved Lord would you make that clear by your spirit in this moment and draw them to yourself that they might be born again to become in Christ you know the heart Lord you said to very religious people You've said, Lord, Lord, but I never knew you. You know the hearts of everyone right now. Would you, by your spirit, confirm among your children they've been born again and those that are not. By your grace, Lord, open their eyes that they may believe and be born again. Thank you for your grace, your sustaining grace to us. We ask your blessing upon us. Lord bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you be gracious to you the lord turn his face toward you and give you peace the lord bless you shine upon you be gracious to you the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace prayer over you guys. You will be blessed. Go in the Lord's peace. If you need prayer, it's outside of this room to your left, outside of the north, just behind us. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day.